1: Hello and welcome to the Modern Adventurer podcast, where explorers and adventurers tell their stories. Coming up,
0: and they, they shouted, they shouted Jew at me, and uh, in, in Arabic Yehudi, and uh, they they sort of picked up a, a can of Pepsi and chucked it at my head. I had no idea what was going on. I saw some flags um, around of, of groups that that you know some would call terrorists, others would call freedom fighters, but um, I, I sort of knew. There was a lot of tension in the place and this, this kind of Pepsi that was full hit me in the heads.
1: I'm John Horsfall and on this weekly podcast we talk to adventurers and explorers from around the world who have made remarkable and daring journeys in recent years. From Everest climbers to polar explorers, world record holders and many more. I hope this podcast sparks ideas and inspires you to explore, and go on an adventure of your own. But before we start, if you're enjoying the show, sign up to our monthly newsletter at zebraadventures.com, where I'll show you behind the scenes, I do giveaways, and offering you the opportunity to come on an adventure. My next guest is an aspiring adventurer. He has done some remarkable expeditions from Walking the Holy Lands and Walking Malta. He has covered all sorts of trips and has some crazy stories to tell. On today's show, we talk about his trip across the Holy Land and some of the amazing moments he had. I am delighted to introduce George Kefford to the show. Thank you. Yeah, how are you? I'm very well, very well. Well, you're an aspiring explorer who's probably done more trips than most of my audience and myself put together, and you're <laughs> only 19 <laughs> Which is truly incredible, and I mean, you've done stuff from walking the Holy Lands to Source to Sea or Brisbane. But I, I think we'll probably get into that later on. Let's start with you and how you got into all these adventures.
0: Yeah, so um, I was born in I was born in the UK um, and grew up in Germany and Australia, and. Um, from a very early age my parents would take me up into the sort of the local mountain near where we grew up and um and yeah, ever since then that was that sort of gave birth to my, my love of adventure and um I just I kept wanting to build on the last trip, build on the last trip and um so I started with some small expeditions in and around where I grew up in Australia and um then I did walking the Holy Land, which was um 800 kilometers across Israel, Palestine and Jordan. And since then, I've done a few trips in and around the Middle East and Europe. And um, and yeah, that's, um, that's my background in, in adventure. Yeah.
1: Wow. And so do you feel that with you, you said you were brought up in England, moved around from Germany to Australia. Do you think that sort of moving around is what sort of gave you this freedom to sort of want to explore it was the fact that you didn't see any boundaries to you going to these different countries because you were moving so freely from such a young age
0: yeah i think i think that's a big reason and and when i'm on these these trips and everything i don't i don't particularly get homesick because you know i, I grew up in in three countries so there's there's not so much you know I, i'll miss my family i'll miss my friends but but missing an actual country or 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 the, the places or anything like that. Not not so much, but um, it's it's def- it definitely helps. I'm not sure if that's the reason, but but it definitely helps.
1: So I mean, you you've done so many trips. Uh, probably the best place to start is with your main one, which was the walking the Holy Lands. Why did you decide on this trip?
0: Um yeah, so I was in I was in Year Twelve Economics class in Australia, and um I was quite bored, and uh, I knew I wanted to do something. Quite big, um, and go somewhere where you know, people wouldn't necessarily go, and do something that people wouldn't necessarily do after I graduated. So, I looked into a bunch of places, and you know, I love the Middle East. I studied it a lot in um, in senior history, and and uh, yeah, because of that, I chose Israel and Palestine and Jordan, and I thought, you know, why not walk across it? So, um, yeah, <laughs> that was it.
1: So, what? It, where where did you start on the trip?
0: So I started in um a town called akka in the uh in the north of the country and um and from there's three days um across uh, northern Israel then I entered the west bank um in the West Bank for about two weeks and then um after that uh yeah through Jordan and three more weeks down to the um the Gulf of Aqaba.
1: and I mean I suppose being a westerner and hearing the sort of news about the West Bank and everything was there not a sort of fear at, because you were what 17 when you did this
0: yes yeah and was, I'm, I'm, I'm sure
1: <laughs> like like myself you see on the news about the West Bank and Israel it sort of seems to be this sort of slightly war-torn area was there not a sort of fear going into it
0: there was yeah I was I was very scared um I think my mum was probably more scared than me but um but you know that that sort of I had no idea what the West Bank was going to be like. All I knew about it was was what I heard on the news. Um, it turned out it wasn't that way, but but you know that especially the first day I went into the West Bank, I was extremely scared. I was I was you know, fearful for my life. Like these guys, what if they think I'm Israeli or or what if you know any other thing? So yeah, it was it was quite scary at first, but you get into it and you you prove your pre uh, your preconceptions wrong, and um, it all works out in the end
1: yeah i completely agree we we had nick butters on recently who we were sort of talking about this as well he was going he was running in syria and had all these sort of preconceptions of war torn areas and the reality of going to these countries is you see the locals you meet the locals and you find that they are incredibly friendly how did the locals treat you
0: incredibly Um, I, I always say that the hospitality I experienced on this trip was was second to none. Um, they treat guests sacredly. Um, when I was in Jordan, especially, um, I would never, basically, never pay for accommodation when I was in when I was in small villages and everything because they'd invite me into their houses and and let me sleep there, and it was it was just incredible. It was it was amazing.
1: Wow. So you were going from northern Israel into the West Bank, and then further on
0: yeah so um when I got midway down to the to to Jericho midway in the west bank i um I crossed the border into jordan and then and then from Jordan I walked down to uh, aqaba in uh yeah at the at the southernmost tip of the country
1: and so what was the sort of feeling um you had because you had the language barrier? I know that you are studying Arabic at the moment um was there an issue with the language barrier
0: yeah yeah at, at first especially um I learned all the the basic Arabic greetings before, and and I could read about half of the Arabic alphabet, which is which is pretty useless if you don't know the other half. But um, but yeah, I mean, I could I could say I'm walking from here to here. I knew the words for for water and foods and and everything. So the very basics were fine, but um, but having you know deep conversations or anything like that that was difficult. The English over there is quite good, um, especially in in Palestine. It's actually very very good. Um, in Jordan not so much, but in the cities where the tourists go, then, then everyone will speak English. But um I didn't find it too difficult towards the end, especially to, to communicate.
1: What were the sort of moments along the way which you look back on in sort of fond memory?
0: Ah, uh, I mean, um getting into Jerusalem was, was really, really special. Um and that was that's one of the ones that, that sticks out. There was also um near nablus in the west bank there's a um uh, there's a there's an old roman fort and um i was walking there and um the the local men from the palestinian village they were they were sort of re rebuilding the castle to turn it into a tourist attraction and um they you know the the village leader the elder was there and and he spoke a bit of english so he's coming to me and and he was he was just telling me about all the people that walked along the same route so I was walking on, you know, Muhammad, Jesus, Moses oh not Moses, um, Abraham, um all these all these different prophets from um from from the Bible and you know, conquerors like Alexander the Great. And that was just that moment of realization of, of you know how, how significant this route is, that's another one and and getting into the desert. The desert's I fell in love with the desert when I was there. It's um it's so peaceful and you know, nothing's happening around you, and there's sort of there's an aroma of death, but it, there's some sort of there's there's some sort of beauty in that death, which which I quite like. Yeah.
1: Did you say so were you wild camping in the sort of desert?
0: yes in the in the desert, I had a few nights while camping um if there was uh like a Bedouin campsite or or a small guest house or something I would stay there because you know it to get smelly quite quickly on these walks so any shower is um is welcome so so I, if if i can I'll, I'll stay in in a bed but if not then add my tent and um and everything like that yeah,
1: you said there's something quite sort of um peaceful about the sort of aroma of death.
0: yeah it's it's just Explain. the absolute silence that the absolute silence and, and and lifelessness. You you just really feel completely alone, and you know, especially Wadi Rum, where you've got these these massive sandstone um these massive sandstone rocks everywhere, and it really gives you a sense of perspective. You know that your life doesn't doesn't really mean anything. It's sort of ego death, I suppose. Um, and um, yeah, just just absolute peace. So much time to reflect about everything and and it's it's no other environment is like the desert it's it's incredible
1: yeah i i there's something to be said about just sort of going out into these wild places like the desert on your own and wild camping this the sort of eerie silence i think is really sort of what blissful is probably yeah. the word i'm going for yeah for sure. It's something yeah. i don't think people can sometimes understand the idea of going out alone, in the middle of nowhere, where there's nothing.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. It's, it's it's incredible. It's I'm I'm want to get back to the desert as soon as I can. <laughs> yeah.
1: And you at the moment you're stuck in lockdown in stuck Holland. in the
0: Netherlands. Yeah, yeah, yeah So in in the Hague for our study. Um, and uh yeah it's 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 not a bad place to be it's not not the best place to be but you know i'm happy that i'm safe i can work still and and it's it's all good yeah
1: amazing and what what do you think it is about going alone because you've done a lot of these walking trips
0: i think it's it's the the headspace that, that i get it's the, the peacefulness and and just being able to think about about anything for just hours and hours and hours and and then, so that's sort of the mental aspect of it. But then when you are alone, you're a lot more, you're a lot more vulnerable. And, and as a result of that, the people that you meet are a lot more accommodating to you. They don't see you as a threat in any way or, or anything like that. So yeah, it's just multiple factors, but it's just that, that, that headspace and, and the vulnerability, which, which I find incredible.
1: Or just try, I, I find sometimes trying to convince people to come on these trips hard enough yeah, when you're like, yeah, struggling. I'm going to walk <laughs> for a month in the desert. And everyone's like, yeah, not, not for me, not for me. <laughs>
0: yeah. I struggle with that as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: But yeah, sometimes it, I I really appreciate going alone. We had Jamie Ramsey on episode five, I believe. And we were talking about how going alone, as you said, with the locals, you have that vulnerability and it just makes the experience special and unique to you no one can really understand what it's like other than yourself and trying to explain it can be tricky but you have that that sort of memory in your head which you cherish
0: yeah exactly yeah it's the solitude i was people who ask me do you get lonely and um sometimes yes but but there's I like the solitude. I don't look at it as as loneliness. I, I call it solitude, and it's it's, it's very peaceful and, and and beautiful. Yeah.
1: And so, how long did that expedition take? That walk?
0: So it took um, about one and a half months. I think I was walking for thirty-eight days, and then you know I'd have a, a rest week in Jerusalem and a, a few rest days here and there and everything. But it was, it was thirty-eight days of walking, um, and and yeah, it was it was it was amazing. <laughs>
1: I mean, as we said earlier, you're sort of going into areas which I imagine some of the audience might feel are very dangerous. Were there any sort of moments along the way which you were fearful?
0: Yeah, there were a few. Um, I was in this uh, this place in Palestine called um, uh, oh jeez, I've got what it's called. It's it's just south of of Napolis. It's um it's a it's a refugee camp. It's called Balata, Balata, and. Um, Basically, the people who live there are exclusively Palestinian refugees who used to live in Tel Aviv, um, and were, were kicked out after after um, Israel became a state. And and it's I read an article and it said it was the most feeble, freebrow place in the entire in the entire Palestinian territories. And um, I'd no I had no idea about this. I was just following Google Maps on my phone, and it took me straight through there. And um, you know I, I, was, I was walking through there, and and someone. You know, I've got red hair and, and they, they shouted they shouted Jew at me, and uh, in, in Arabic, Yehudi, and uh, they, they sort of picked up a, a can of Pepsi and chucked it at my head. Um, I had no idea what was going on. I saw some flags um, around of, of groups that, that you know, some would call terrorists, others would call freedom fighters, but um, I, I sort of knew det- there was a lot of tension in the place and this this can of Pepsi that was full hit me in the heads. Not realising where I was, I decided to pick up the Pepsi can, drink it, because I like Pepsi, and um, and then sort of, yeah, stupidly, sort of sarcastically, sort of um, turned the can upside down and said, you know, "Shukran, thank you" in Arabic, and um, and that was from in terms of people, people-wise, that was that was the most scary thing on 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 any of my trips. But um, you know, had I known that that was the area I was going through was 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 that febrile, and if i had not known the stories about the people who lived there, a I wouldn't have gone there, and b I wouldn't have been so stupid and sarcastic when i turned send the uh, the Pepsi can upside down.
1: When when did you realise that it was an act of hostility towards you?
0: Well, usually they was usually they would give me drinks and all around the all around the West Bank, but um, you know, I walked into this place and just there was something there was something off about the atmosphere and um. Yeah, this this happened and I got out, and you know, I was, I was, where the hell have I just been? Looked up my phone, Balaza Ah, oh, okay, bad place.
1: <laughs> so that's that's one to miss out on the uh, on the trip.
0: <laughs> yes, I mean there are there are some westerners that go there. I think the UN have got some refugee um, camps or some sort of assistance programs there. But you know, if you go in uninvited, it's 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 probably not the best idea.
1: God. And so your six week or one and a half month trip took you all the way through. After that, were you, was there a sort of feeling of, wow, I, I just want to do another one. Was that you were sort of hooked?
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, it started earlier than that, that the sort of the hook it was the first trip and it just it keeps on going after that. But, but that, that one expedition certainly sort of, you know, reinforced my love for the Middle East and the Islamic world and, um, and that's where I'll, I'll be focusing on, um, in the future. Yeah.
1: Uh, and so going through the Holy lands, it's a sort of very spiritual place. Was it a sort of pilgrimage for yourself or was it just an idea of learning about the different cultures?
0: It was both. I am, I'm am religious and, and that was, that was a big, um, big aspect of my trip to, you know, walk through. The places that all the prophets have been and, and and everything like that. But um that was it was only part of the trip. It was also to just experience a new place, a new culture and, and learn about a place that's often um people have a lot of misconceptions about. So yeah, there's a lot of different factors.
1: And so walking, I mean you you almost specialise in walking. You've walked Malta, you've walked the Netherlands, Israel, all sorts. Um what is it about walking that you love so much?
0: I think it's just the, the, the pace of it just because it is so slow, it just forces you to take everything in. You can't sort of skip through a village that, that you would be if you're in car or whatever, but it's just, um, yeah, how slow it is. You, you, you're forced to see and take in everything. You're forced to go to every, every cafe that you come across in every village. Cause you want to have a break, you want to have a cup of tea or something like that. So you have to stop, you have to interact with everyone and, and it's just, it's the best way to, to hear the stories of the people. And that's, that's what I love about it most.
1: Did you get invited in for tea quite a lot then?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the first, the first day I was in Palestine, there's about a, I think, two or three kilometers section from, from the border with Israel to, to the first town, Janine. And I just walking along this road, I was, I was invited in for tea or coffee at least 10 times, you know, I rejected, I rejected most of them because I had to go to Janine, but, um. But yeah, everyone was just, yeah, come in, come in and all saying welcome. And yeah, it was amazing.
1: Yeah. It's, it's an amazing experience for anyone listening is just people around the world are so hospitable. This sort of, as I say, I try and sort of promote and encourage people to sort of step out of their comfort zone and to go on these sort of big grand adventures. Cause it opens up a whole new world, as you said, yeah. you know, us in the West We see Palestine and Israel and we, we most of the time just see a massive political debate and trouble is probably the best word to describe it. But when you experience these countries by yourself, you, you come across some of the most hospitable and incredible people.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's unmatched. I I was in, I was in Morocco recently and, and there is, there is something there is something across across these Islamic cultures that I've, that I've experienced of just of just absolute you know treating the guests as, with the utmost um, respect and um, being as hospitable as you can possibly be and and it's, it's something we can learn from um, and it's yeah, it's incredible
1: so after that trip you you were hooked and the idea was to do these sort of walk walked more basically. Yeah. So Malta, what was about Malta that attracted you there?
0: Uh, to be honest, what attracted me to Malta was a ten euro um, Ryanair ticket. That was <laughs> that was that was that was it really. I mean, it's so it's, it's obviously part of the Mediterranean. It's got it's got a very rich history of of multiple empires and and religions. Um, uh, you know, setting themselves up there. The Maltese itself is 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 basically a dialect of Arabic. It's the only Semitic language. It's that's an official language of the EU. And, um, you know, going there was, was, was incredible because you Romans, you've got Ottomans, you've got French, you've got the British and, and, um, it was, it's a, it's a small, two, the two islands are quite small. So it gave me, you know, I had a week, I was just planning to walk a hundred miles as, you know, circles around the islands or across islands or, you know, I had, how I, I, had as much freedom as, as I could give myself. And, um, and yeah, it was it's just it was uh, the expedition that had the most. I I didn't plan this one per se. I didn't have. I've got to be in this town, and this town, and this town by by this time, or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was it was completely completely you know liberating in a way. Yeah.
1: So that's how you plan your adventures. You look for the cheapest Ryanair ticket.
0: Yeah, basically, <laughs> I'm a student. You know, <laughs> I've got to. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's not a bad not a bad way to do it, really. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so uh, what was I going to say? So how do you prepare for these expeditions, these walking expeditions? Are there certain things that you always bring with you?
0: Yeah. I mean, I always, I always bring um, some sort of survival kiss or whatever, just in case something goes wrong. Never had to use it yet. Um, apart from that, I mean, it's, it's, it's a book and a diary and a pen. That's, that's, that's really it. my, my my goal isn't really to, to rough it out or to break any records or anything like that. It's it's just to go there and, and record the stories that I see and, and hear about and, and try and bring them to the rest of the world. And, and that's, that's, that's my real passion. That's what I am to do.
1: What's the craziest story you've had on your travels?
0: Um, yeah, I mean, there's the, the time I almost, I almost died really. That's, that's probably the, the craziest one. So, um, it was on the last day of walking the Holy Land and, um, i I was supposed to be i had to cross three mountain ranges to get to akaba and um the i was crossing the second mountain range and um you had to follow these shepherd's trails up and down and i lost to the shepherd's trail and i saw this 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 riverbed and I was like okay I can just follow that um then there was a waterfall which it, it was dry so it was just it was just a cliff and i thought okay right gotta turn back um but i jumped down a smaller cliff to get to this this part of the, the riverbed. So I was essentially stuck and, um, and there was this scree slope from this riverbed to a sort of a, a more stable area where I could get down. And I thought, okay, that's, that's my only hope. So I climbed up to this scree slope and, and started trying to walk across it, trying to keep my center, uh, center of gravity quite low, obviously not low enough. I slipped quite quickly and, um, you know, I was just sliding on my backside uh, down this, this, this slope, rocks flying everywhere, hitting me in the, in the head and, And, um, you know, this, this was a good sort of 20, 30 meter drop to the, to the bottom of this. So even if I survived the fall, easily a broken leg and it's, it's at least, you know, 10 kilometers to crawl to the nearest town. Like it's not going to be possible. Um, so I saw this warm boulder and I just, you know, I prayed, you know, please be stable. Um, so I grabbed onto it with all I I could and, and luckily it was, and, um, and then sort of crawled to the other side of this, this this great slope as as slowly and as steadily as I could and and just sort of just broke down on the other side, went into shock and and it was it was awful. Um crazy in a bad way, but uh but certainly something to sort of look back on with you know, a bit of humility and, and everything. It was it was quite it was quite insane, yeah. <laughs>
1: Those sort of moments will always live with you, but there, I always find they always make you a little bit stronger for the next one.
0: Yeah, yeah. hopefully you're <laughs> a little bit less stupid in this instance, maybe.
1: Yeah, I was going to say that, but I, I thought it didn't sound so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so poetic. <laughs> yeah. Well, George, there's a part of the show where we ask the same five questions to each guest each week. Yes. With the first being on your trips, what's the one gadget that you always bring with you on your trips?
0: The one I've got this uh, Delorme InReach. It's uh, it's a satellite messenger, and um, and that's that's the best way that I can keep in contact with my parents. You know, my mum always wants to know where I am every day and stuff, so she can you know check I'm safe. As as all mothers would, but um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's 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 the one thing um, I take apart from that phone camera and. I I'm not a massive fan of the high tech side of things, but yeah.
1: Yeah. My, uh, when I go on trips, my family always want me to have a GPS so they can track every movement, but I find it really creepy and weird. So I'm like, no <laughs> <laughs> airplane mode the whole way. <laughs> yeah. Um, what is your favorite adventure or travel book?
0: See, this has changed quite recently. I used to, I used to love, um, I still do, um, Arabian Sands by Wilfred Desiger. Um, that was that was my favourite, um, but I've I've recently read uh, Levison Woods Arabia, and um, I just found that I found that brilliant because it's more it's more relevant to today's world and it delves into the various the countries all around um, the Arabian world and and uh, yeah I found I found that a brilliant book.
1: Amazing! I have to check that one out.
0: Mm. I got a signed copy as well. I was quite happy with it.
1: I <laughs> oh, check you out. <laughs> <laughs> um, why are adventures important to you?
0: I think it's more just um, going to a part of the world and and really broadening your own horizons, as, as cliche as it sounds. Um, it's it's experiencing a new part of the world, and when you do it in in an adventurous an adventurous way, it's a completely unique way. The locals are going to see you and treat you different to the average tourist. Um, and and yeah, for me, that those are the big those are the big um, sort of pull factors. There's also obviously the the physical and mental challenge that I like, but um, but yeah, it's more the the experience and and yeah opening up
1: yeah, I agree, um what about your favorite quote
0: um, my favorite quote is um from one of my sort of childhood heroes, Richard Francis Burton, and um he said that uh I've got it here of the gladdest moments in human life, methinks is the departure upon a distant journey into unknown lands shaking off with one mighty effort the fetters of habit the leaden weight of routine the cloak of many cares and the slavery of civilization man feels once more happy so that's yeah that's o- a good one almost poet <laughs> almost like a poem <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah
1: something very poetic about it No, it's a good yeah. one i haven't heard that one before
0: yeah i mean richard francis burson was was absolute madman like he was uh He did a pilgrimage to to Mecca, um, even though he wasn't a Muslim, he he spoke 20 different languages or something like that officer in the uh, British um, British East India company and, and yeah, he's did everything. Yeah.
1: (laughs) And, uh, is that that who you model yourself on for the future?
0: (laughs) I try. Yeah. I mean, he's a bit too Victorian for me per se, but, um, but yeah, he's, he's definitely some sort of, some sort of role model. Yeah.
1: People listening are always keen to travel and go on these sort of grand adventures like yourself. What would you recommend to people wanting to go on these adventures?
0: I'd say just, just back yourself really like, um, there's nothing more I mean, Planning's, planning's hard and you just, planning's the hardest bit. And it's when you take that first step of the journey, that's, that's when it becomes easier. And, and once you're there, just, just believe in yourself. It's going to get hard, but, um, but yeah, you just believe in you, in yourself. You have, Make sure I was write down my motivation for doing any trip. So if I'm feeling if I'm feeling shit one day, I'll just you know open open my diary and just read that to myself. So um, that that's that helps me. But um, but yeah, just just back yourself really.
1: That's quite a good idea actually. I haven't I haven't actually ever done that before. Write your motivations before the trip.
0: Yeah, it's 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 great. It's just yeah. Every time you know I was I was in Morocco recently and I was in a walk there and I sprained my ankle two days. You know, before I, I finished the trip, and you know, I just opened it up and thought, okay, right, take some painkillers and just soldier on, and and sure enough, I got there in the end. So, yeah,
1: yeah, I was I was speaking on the podcast uh, a few weeks back and saying it is the, always the first step, which is the most terrifying. But as soon as you break that first step, you're like, oh, yeah. okay, this is just walking. Yeah, yeah exactly. it's like you. It's walk, all in your head. It's, yeah. yeah, it's all in your head. It's like. You just take each day as it comes, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. you walking from, let's say one length for the length of Britain, just think of yourself yeah. just going, you're just walking to the next door town first yeah, yeah and then exactly. just carrying yeah. on. And eventually yeah. you'll be like, Oh, this is actually quite easy. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> it won't become fun. It's it's not fun when you walk, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's not as hard as, as people think.
1: I think it opens up more opportunities though, because you're at sort of eye level with the locals and so yep. it encourages more interaction.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the beauty of walking.
1: George, what are you doing now and how can people follow and find you?
0: So at the moment, um, I'm writing my book about my journey in Morocco. I walked the length of the Sousa river, which was 250 kilometers from, um, source in, uh, the high Atlas mountains of the sea. That's due to come out on the first of May. Um, it will be out on on Amazon. I'll uh, self-publish, and uh, so after that, I'm planning to go to uh, Turkey and Iraq, and and I'll do a walk there. But um, but yeah, you can follow everything I do on on uh, on Instagram. You can find all the links to my books and and to the the YouTube video I posted recently. It's it's not it's not amazing. It's just some pictures with some music, but. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it'll all be there. At George Kefford is my Instagram, um, just my name, no spaces or, or dots or underscores or anything. It's, yeah, all there.
1: Oh, you kept that, that little trip quiet. What
0: was that? I thought that was the next question. <laughs> <laughs> but, okay, yeah. So, um, well, no, no, so, no, the next
1: question is usually <laughs> what's next, but I didn't know about the Morocco trip.
0: Ah, yeah, so, um, yeah, that was well, I recently did. Um, I went to Morocco over christmas to uh spent four weeks there studying arabic i fell a bit behind in uh, my university arabic here i don't particularly like learning arabic online but um so i went to morocco and, and studied in a school for four weeks and um after that decided to do a walk um across uh, along one of the rivers and um yeah it was, it was beautiful then i could you know actually practice my my language a bit more than what i had before and uh yeah just the, the hospitality just repeated itself as it uh, as it was in the um in the middle east so uh yeah incredible yeah
1: i suppose if you are speaking arabic to them they're probably a little bit surprised and they're they almost like oh well my god an arabic speaker come on in
0: <laughs> yeah yeah i mean in fact most of the most of the journey was was through a region where the people their first language is uh is is called tash heath which is just quite different to quite different to Arabic but um but you know they they, they learn Arabic in school they have to when because it's, it's you know religiously mandated to to be able to read and understand the Quran in Morocco so they all understand Arabic Arabic well but um I didn't unfortunately I, I didn't learn any of any of their language which is which I was quite angry myself with to be honest because it's a very very unique and beautiful culture and um yeah next time
1: <laughs> yeah well hopefully always the next time yeah <laughs> well george thank you so much for coming on the show today
0: thank you yeah i really enjoyed it
1: it's been an absolute pleasure listening to your stories and as i as i was saying i look forward to following your adventures in the future especially the next one in iraq
0: yes yeah you're looking forward to it so uh yeah the kurdistan walk will be 800 kilometers across uh, from, from Diyarbakir to Halabja in Iraq. So, you know, once again, through, going through some, you know, somewhat politically unstable territory. But, you know, my aim is to go there and find the good news stories and, and to, show, to shed a different light on, on the part of the world. So hopefully it'll be good, inshallah, as, as the Muslim say. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on today. And as I say, I think everyone listening, your stories have been really interesting and you know I, we've had many people on but don't think too many have covered this part of the world so
0: i'm glad i could <laughs> thank you
1: yeah thank you for listening you can watch the podcast on youtube now and don't forget to sign up for our adventure newsletter which is in the description below i hope you enjoyed the show and if you did tag me on instagram at john horsefall i'm always keen to connect with everyone i hope to see you next week for another fascinating tale of adventure but till then, have a great day and happy adventures.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson natural boneless chicken breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone